Talking to us today about the direction of technology development in oil and gas technology is uh, Barbara Berger, who's the head of Chevron Technology Ventures, one of the industry's oldest venture groups that invest in startups and a lot of the new technologies that you've been reading about over the years in JPT. With that, I want to welcome Barbara. Thank you for coming in today. Well, thanks for having me. Well, you know, this is a extraordinary time in the industry. Um, you know, it's not just a crash, but we're also living through a pandemic. And so, um, you know, the, the mantra five years ago was lower for longer. And it feels like, uh, you know, it, it's sort of uh, it's back again. So as we, we think about the startup ecosystem and where a lot of new technologies come from, how are today's events going to shape the uh, the next few years to come? Yeah, so great question. So first of all, um, hope that you and your family and all our audience um, are staying safe throughout all of this. Um, when we think about the startup ecosystem, um, you know, I think it's very, it's vibrant, um, it's needed, um, and uh, they're trying to address really important problems. Um, but, um, you know, for each startup, the story is a little bit different, just like for each company and for each individual. And so we have a portfolio of companies that we've amassed over, you know, we've been in existence for 21 years. And, you know, each company had to, first of all, assess their own situation, um, assess their employees, assess their operations, um, and then really understand the impact of, of COVID, of the market conditions on, on their business plan and, and do some self-help look to their investors for whether or not they're going to support them through that um, and, um, you know, make the, uh, you know, the, the direction changing actions that they needed to. Um, most of our, um, most of our startups, um, this has not been a positive message. Um, they've done a really good job, but, you know, most of them, you know, COVID and, and market conditions have, have made it tougher. Um, but that's not the case for all of them. There have been opportunities in all of this. And so, you know, good opportunities come for startups, whether the market is tough or whether it's, um, you know, you have tailwinds. So um, we're, we're there to support them. Um, and, you know, when you say lower for longer, um, you know, that's just one more challenge we've got. So we need innovation, innovation directed at how can you succeed in those market environments. You know, so obviously it's very tough for, for the startup world, but, you know, for a VC, um, does this actually in a way make your job a little bit easier in terms of narrowing the scope on what you're uh, willing to take risk on investing in? Um, and, and if we look at this through specific lenses, can, you know, um, you know, can you speak to me about like the different buckets that, that compete for, you know, your, your investment dollar um, sure. production technologies versus software? Right. No, good, good question. So um, first of all, um, our first focus was on shoring up our current portfolio. And, you know, I kind of went through the steps that those companies have. But we also have dry powder, as, as the industry would call it, uh, for new investments. And there's a lot of opportunities out there. Um, the problem set is, is maybe a little bit different. Um, you know, you talked about lower for longer. And so we're looking for technologies that, you know, can lower cost, um, increase cycle time, lower emissions, you know, all of those problem sets. Um, you know, I think a couple of things that have happened in, in this is 
Um, one is some, some valuations came down. So that's always good as an investor, particularly a new investor. Um, most investors stay, are staying the course, but there are some that have, have uh, flown. So that uh, gives us opportunities. Um, we're having to do due diligence and having to do um, you know, our early engagement with startups in a different way. Uh, we always want to go and see them. Um, kind of see what's there, kick the tires, meet the team. And we're having to do that virtually. Um, there's some positives to that in that you can get a lot more introductory meetings done and engage. And I think the, the velocity is increasing, um, but we're having to change some of our processes um, in, in terms of how to do that. That's an interesting point. I was actually talking to a startup founder recently who said the same exact thing. Um, you know, in one of their early uh, fundraising series and saying that, you know, we, we love to get intimate with, with, you know, potential investors, but we're actually able to, to finish the job a lot quicker of, of courting everybody uh, because we're doing it remotely. Uh, just as an aside, I'm curious, is that because the startup world and the VC world, it's a, it's a very close knit uh, community. Almost everybody knows each other and you guys go to a lot of the same events together and see each other all the time. So is this distance, uh, you know, work from home, remote conferencing, is that something that might actually stick around um, in this um, ecosystem? Or are you guys going to try to revert back to the mean and get face to face more often? Well, I, you know, I think it's, a, it's an interesting one that's going to play out, right? And hopefully all of us are not thinking back to when is it going to get back to normal, but we're envisioning the new normal. So, you know, I think some of it is we're adopting or developing practices that we will continue on. Um, you know, even this kind of engagement, um, it's been a lot easier for me, the notion that I'm just gonna be sitting in my study and do this rather than, you know, carve out time to physically go to a place. Now the disadvantage is I don't get to see the audience, so that's not good. Um, but, you know, I think the, the piece that, um, you know, we've got all kinds of technologies for networking and stuff, and, and a lot of the organizations are trying interesting things so you can pop into a table and have a small intimate conversation and so forth. But I, I, I think um, we've got to figure out how to do physical events in the future sensibly and responsibly, and maybe even hybrid events. And I know there's a few trials and pilots that are going to be contemplated this fall uh, here in Houston about, you know, so how do we bring together the investors and the startups um, so that we can have some of that, um, but still, you know, do it in a responsible way. I, I don't think we've all figured out how to do that yet. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I think that's a fair answer, you know, considering, you know, here at the SBE, we're going through, you know, all of those same challenges ourselves. Uh, um, but, you know, I, I wanted to uh, also ask you about some of the themes that we've been seeing in the technology space uh, over the last few years. Um, and, and one of them is, you know, big companies like Chevron trying to embrace external technologies and, and find, um, you know, where they can fit in oil and gas. And, and the other circles back to startups and, and how in a B2B world, uh, big clients need to help foster those small young companies and give them, uh, you know, not just the financial runway, but the the actual practical experience to grow and 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 especially in such a risk adverse business. So, you know, if you look back on just what we've seen since the last downturn, 2015 to now, 
what grade would you give the industry on being able to work those two fronts? So am I giving a grade for effort or results? Well, uh, you know, you tell me, give me, give me one for each, you know, how, how we've done on external technology adoption and how well have, has the business really uh, fostered this startup ecosystem? And are there any shining examples of either? Yeah, so, so good. So I, I would give us, I'm a tough grader, but I'd probably give us, you know, an A minus B plus on effort. Um, you know, I think the doors are opening. I think company, and in a time of change, I think companies look for, um, they become much more open in terms of uh, what are the what are the capabilities and what are the approaches to change? When times are good, that's actually when it's hardest to get new things adopted. Okay? Um, so I think effort A minus to B plus. Um, you know, in terms of results, um, I think um, time will tell. So probably you know it's more like a B minus B um, with an upward arrow. Um, you know, I think the opportunity in Houston. I don't know if, if how many of your um, uh, audiences from Houston, but I, I think one of the things that Houston can distinguish itself relative to the startup ecosystem is this connection with the corporates. There's a very high uh, concentration of corporates here um, and corporates bring experience and understanding of the problems, uh, experience and scale, uh, and ultimately they bring their supplier dollars. Um, and so if you can get the little guys and the big guys to work together, um, you know, I think that really um, is a good recipe for success. I think the other thing is the small guys have gotten smart. Some of the small guys are not so small anymore, but they've gotten smart and they've hired people from the industry. So they have domain knowledge. They know what the problem sets are and they get credibility into the corporations. I think, you know, I think that's one thing Silicon Valley has even gotten, I, I think, they, they've read that playbook and they've hired people from our industry um, to be able to help better define the problems and, and thus the solutions, um, particularly in software innovation. Yeah, that was uh, early on. That was a huge uh, you know, cause of divide was, you know, do you have domain expertise? Do you not? Um, and it seems like, you know, over the years, we have seen more companies uh, especially on the coast, uh, hire, you know, talent from this business to sort of help make, you know, make that translation easier. Are you considering becoming an SPE member? When you join SPE, you join a society of dedicated professionals just like you, working to address the technical challenges of the global oil and gas industry. SPE membership gives you the opportunity to make local and global connections and build a network of influential technical leaders from every discipline. Learn more at spe.org slash join. But let me ask you about another sort of age old, uh, you know, VC startup uh, mm -hmm. operator problem, which is, you know, you can throw all the money you want at a new technology company, but if, if you can't get it to work in the Permian Basin, for instance, uh, then it might die on the vine. And, and so, you know, how, how have you, what, what is your philosophy? What are the things you've learned about connecting what happens at HQ in the VC group uh, to the wellhead? Yeah, no, it's a really good question. And there's a little bit of our secret sauce there, but I'll tell you a bit about it. Because you're right, just investing in companies is, is a necessary part of it, but it's not sufficient. And, you know, we learned that, um, 
that that we had to take it through to what we what we would call use. So we we needed to collaborate with our business units and our functions to really ask the question: Does the thing work, and will it add value to Chevron? Because it could work, but it doesn't really add any value because it doesn't either take costs away or produce more, or it's just one more uh, layer that we put on of protection or control. And so, you know, we've worked on that over time and and have you know a fair amount of success. It's still you know, it's, it's, it's not a slam dunk and it's, but you have to do that. And also the startups need that feedback. So what, you know, sure they want, um, sure they want investment dollars, sure they want revenue, but they also want to know, does this thing work um, before I go and scale it up? Um, and what kind of feedback do I get? So we kind of try to deliver the whole experience um, because that's ultimately what's going to have the biggest impact on Chevron. How, how often, though, tell me, is it that you, you, uh, your team falls in love with a uh, technology or a, a startup, and then you try to take it to the field and vet it against, you know, who would be the end users, and they actually come back and surprise you and say, you know, no, this won't work. Um, is, is that a regular occurrence or? <laughs> You know, how often does that happen? Yeah, so uh, there's a lot in there. So first of all, don't fall in love with the solution, fall in love with the problem. Um, and we try to guard against that. And we try to guard against it even up front. you bring me a solution, I'm gonna say, what's around it? What's the landscape? Who are their competitors? All that stuff. Sometimes we even do a bake off where we might trial um, yours versus the incumbent or yours versus the other folks that are there just, you know, because, um, we want to, you know, we want to pick the winner. Um, you know, innovation, you know, people think it's all about technology. It's about people. It's about your willingness to try new things. Um, we've got a number of different practices to try to collaborate. It's, it is about collaboration. Uh, we, we've had some success in the organization across all the streams. And so we've got some credibility that when we bring something to you that, you know, we think it's going to work and we're willing to work with you on a trial. Um, you know, that, that, that says something in the business. We also hire from our businesses. So we hire people that have experience in a refinery, um, out on a platform in the oil field. Um, and again, that's all building up the broader team that looks at these technologies. You know, uh, if we're if we're sticking to sort of these uh, these interesting startup and VC themes, you know, one of the one of the ones that that I enjoy debating with people the most or talking about the most with people is is buy versus build, and this really comes you know centers around software investments and how uh, big operators look at software solutions. And, and, you know, I know that there, there's a lot of sort of it depends on, on trying to answer this question, but how do you reconcile the buy versus build uh, conundrum? Yeah, so, and, and I think buy versus build sounds so binary, and it's actually, as we go along, there's more and more different, different um, pieces. Um, you know, it does depend, but I, you told me you weren't going to accept that as an answer. Um, you know, the reality is, um, is it something where we can have a competitive advantage or is it something where the pace of innovation externally is going to be so much faster? Um, 
and I think we're evolving as a company and, and our comfort level in um, working with whether it be a startup or, you know, one of the big tech companies in terms of, um, you know, where is going to be our competitive advantage? Is it the development or is it the application? Um, so I, I do think it does depend um, and it's ever evolving. Um, and if you looked at our portfolio, you would see things from startups, you would see things from our uh, tech partners, you would see things from the oil field service partners, and you would see things that we have developed ourselves. So it's a, I think, I think that's the answer is to look at each area and be able to have the facility to succeed with all those different tools. You know, sometimes I wonder if we're, uh, if we're even asking the right questions all the time. And, and as I hear you talk about buy versus build, it's, it's, it's really, you know, I think it goes back to something you said, you know, fall in love with the problem. And it was, you know, here, and here it goes, which kind of challenges are you looking at for startups to solve? So as specific as you can be, um, you know, what are the innovations that you're looking at uh, for oil and gas? A couple of things, you know, on the subsurface, it's obviously um, being able to know more about the reservoir and, um, and your drilling operations. And it's, you know, it's better data, cheaper and um, more reliable. Um, on the surface, um, a lot of it is around asset integrity. Um, again, there's a lot of digital plays relative to the surface as well. But let me also talk about, um, um, and this cuts across into the energy transition, um, which we have been investing in companies that, that play in this space for quite some time. But in 2018, we launched a future energy fund to really, to really concentrate in this area. And so it's, you know, how do you use less energy? So it's energy efficiency technologies. It's when you do produce CO2, um, how do you, um, you know, either capture it, uh, capture it and store it or capture it and use it. Um, how do you um, ensure that methane emissions um, are, are reduced, um, they're detected, reduced, or mitigated? Um, so those are all things within oil and gas that um, are part of the equation. Obviously, it's production, it's cost. You're talking about lower for longer, so we got to do that. It's reliability, but it's also a low-carbon footprint. You know, since you brought it up, I, I wanted to... Uh dig a little bit deeper into your future energy fund. So this launched two years ago, it's a hundred million dollars. Uh, can you talk ab about, you know, any of the, the, the investments you've made so far? Um, and with regards to those buckets that you just outlined, you know, are you, are you looking, how, how, how much more are you looking at uh, carbon sequestration and reuse uh, versus uh, emissions mitigation? Yeah. So, so the future energy fund initial hundred million, um, and uh, we've made, I think, nine investments so far. Um, and they run, the, they run the gamut in really two large buckets to start with. One is lowering the emissions of oil and gas. And I talked about um, that area. And the other is low carbon value chains. We know that the energy mix is going to be more diverse as we go forward. And by 2040, all, you know, most estimates are 50% of total primary energy demand is going to be oil and gas. Um, that means 50% is not. Um, and the system is going to be an integration of all of that. So we also um, are placing bets um, in uh, non-oil and gas. Um, you know, I think there's 
there, in, in that area are a few things that I'll talk about. One is just different sources of generation. Um, you know, clean heat is a problem. Um, that, you know, if your innovators out there want to think about it, um, you know, hydrocarbons are used in a lot of heating applications. So what can you do to lower the emissions in thermal processes? Um, you know, carbon capture, use and storage. We're, we focus mainly on the capture. It's a very costly part of, this, of, of the process. Um, but utilization, so rather than just storing um, CO2 in the ground, you know, what can you use it for? Sort of the circular economy, hydrogen. So can you either make hydrogen cheaper or lower the emissions? Then there's this whole area around mobility because transportation and oil are so much tied together. Um, but as mobility goes, where's the innovation there? And then the power value chain is getting more decentralized. It's using different sources. And there's a huge part of software integration there. So we've got investments in all of those. Um, some of them have a direct linkage currently into Chevron's operations. And so we're working on you know, trialing and so forth. And some have no linkage with the current, but we see them as, as important in the energy system of the future. And we wanna make sure we understand you know, what, what it takes to be successful and make sure Chevron is positioned to be able to capitalize on them. Much of the work of the Society of Petroleum Engineers is accomplished by members. Become a volunteer and use your knowledge and experience to influence SPE programs and activities. As a volunteer, you can enhance your leadership skills while meeting and working with other SPE members from across the globe. There are many opportunities to get involved, regardless of your experience, location, or experience level. To learn more about the League of Volunteers, visit spe.org volunteer. This sort of gets to the uh, the persona of, of, of Chevron Technology Ventures, and you know the question is, you know, if you're looking at a, a seed round, a Series A, B, C, um, you know, so the, these are obviously stages of, of fundraising yep. and maturity. Um, wh where is the sweet spot for Chevron? Where do you like guys like to come in on the startup? Um, yeah, no, uh, good good question. So I would, so our sweet spot for investments typically is an A and B, and that's where um, we feel like we can influence and where you need support. We do have a pre-series A milestone-based grant uh, tool that we use when we see something that's not pre-series A, but we'd like to um, get a little closer to it, you know, get a little closer to the technology, but also the people. Um, so A, a and B, and obviously as the company matures and grows, then you know, we, we go along with them if, if, you know, we still see a good positive um, trajectory for the company. And, and I have another one that's coming from the, the startup point of view here. Um, you know, what are the best practices that you would recommend to startup companies who are, you know, dying to get their first field test? You know, so they've done everything uh, except for, you know, get into a well or get access to production data. Yeah. You know, what are some of those things that uh, that will help them, you know, cross that chasm? Yeah. So that's, it's a really good question. And it's, and a lot of times a startup doesn't know where to go in a company. And that's one of the reasons that we have developed the capability within Tech Ventures. So that when we're looking at you, we're not just looking at you as a company 
and are you investable and and what's the what's the circle of co-investors around you but also so how might this go you know get into chevron um so you know some of it is getting introduced to to the team members that i have whether it's in a local event or we're going to need to do some things virtually and we get comfortable with the company we get comfortable with what you've got we understand the problem you're working on and then um you know if, if we see something we like then and you know we do all the landscape work we understand the problem set we think that we think it solves a problem that chevron has prioritized um, then we would work with the startup and with the business unit and other experts in the company to in fact design the trial. We can't, we can't help you if, if we don't set it up that way. Let me ask you um, another general question about you know, a big topic, general trans, uh, digital transformation. And this is sort of, I'm gonna ask you another for sort of like a grade here, but you know, what, what phase, what inning are we in uh, as an industry and where are we seeing the most impact? So I, you know, we, we speak so often in generalities about this topic, I'd really love like what what segment of the upstream business is being most uh, impacted positively by digital investments. So I think across all of the the major functions in upstream and even in downstream. But what I would say is that we're probably in the early innings from, you know, a, a number of the things that we've actually gone through to implementation have been more transactional, which is I think that's where you start. And I think the transformational capabilities are being identified, um, but it's not, you know, it's not overnight that you can actually implement them and implement them at scale. Um, but I think that's the next inning. And then you just start to see, I mean, the rewards for all of what you've done, um, because the digital capabilities aren't just so you can do the current workflow cheaper and faster. It's that you get new workflows. And those are transformational by definition, they're very disruptive. And so they take some time because they do cut across functions at that point. You know, how do current circumstances um, influence the speed uh, of the trajectory? Um, when we talk about, you know, making digital investments, like actually putting cash on the table uh, and as well as, you know, adopting these things into our workflows and processes, um, you know, we're, we're facing uh, an industry that's contracting again, you know, sadly, uh, lots of jobs are being lost, lots of people in the field and in HQ. So what, what does that uh, do uh, to this drive towards digital? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough year. Um, and I, you know, I feel it as a leader of an organization. Um, I feel it as an investor. Um, you know, I feel it a bit as an employee. You know, it, it's, um, it, it's not an easy time. Um, I think that um, the progress or the pace um depends when you you know one of your um audience members asked about getting things um down hole um so trials and hardware trials and things like that have gotten harder in the in the short term um things that can provide a very clear picture of the benefits um and things that are more sophomore oriented and stuff i think those have maintained their pace um, maybe some of them have been accelerated. Um, the big transformational ones, um, we as a company and as an industry, you know, we're going to be very focused because you can't take them all on in a time when the 
you know, when the market conditions are tough. So, you know, I think um, we're having to prioritize more, um, which means that by definition, some folks um, don't make the list. Barbara, I, I probably got time for one or two more questions with you. Um, but this is one that, that, that I wanted to throw at you from sort of my personal experience. I sat through um, a lot of Shark Tank events and a lot of gatherings of startups. And, and it's been you know, evident to me in my reporting and, and from what I've seen is that there's been, a, a, you know, in addition to sort of a, a heavy interest in software, there's also been a lot of investment interest in onshore, specifically North American shale technologies versus say a deep water you know, oriented technology. Um, as the market is now in, in a little bit of flux, you know, to, to put it lightly, do you think that the investment community at large will, uh, you know, change the uh, the scales there of how much interest goes to onshore technologies versus something that's a little bit more uh, smaller scale but possibly higher impact in deep water? Um, and, and tell me if you disagree with my judgment, you know, uh, in the first place. I mean, I think that. Um, and hopefully this this will be a general answer that will scratch that itch. Um, I think you got to look at the investor pool and say who's going to be investing in that in in those technologies. Um, they typically are corporates. Uh, strategic investors have had um, a fairly high percentage of the investment. And how many of them are going to invest in uh, core oil and gas versus uh, the energy transition versus digital. And, you know, I think the, you know, the dollars are getting diluted a little bit. Um, and so there's, you know, we continue to invest in, across all of that. Um, but even some of our peer companies are not investing in oil and gas innovation other than digital. And so that does put, um, it, it, it puts some stress on hardware innovation um, and the number of investors that are really looking at that. I didn't do the offshore, um, onshore, but it's a bigger theme of, you know, who are the investors um, and, um, you know, what is the role of the corporates and what is the role of the oil field service going forward? Um, because the, very early on in those companies' lives, um, you know, they need support from the industry. Uh, or investment in the industry. And I, I, I think it's getting diluted. Well, I have, while I have you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you on one last question because I think it's a really, really good question. And uh, geographically, countries or continent, where do you see the innovation concentration? Um, so, you know, ha has, has, this, has it changed? Is it, are things coming from, you know, the Houston area more or less often? Are you going overseas to look at technologies? How has that shifted? So, um, you know, a, a plug for Houston is they're increasing uh, here um, because, um, you know, we didn't have a lot in our portfolio here. But, you know, we will invest from almost anywhere. And um, we, we had a lot of concentration in, in Norway and, you know, the UK and Scotland. Um, I think we're seeing more from the continent, um, from Israel. Uh, all over the U.S. and actually, that is, I think, a trend that um, I think it's good. Is that um, we're seeing innovation not just from the two coasts, um, but in the center and in lots of places in the center. Um, as an investor and as a user of innovation, um, the more the merrier, right? 
So it's a uh, it's a volume game for us, um, but we'll take we'll we'll take that challenge. Well, Barbara, I, you know, I really thank you for sharing your insights and letting us, uh, you know, get a, get sort of an insider's view on what happens at CTV. And uh, we wish you the best of luck, and I will bid you farewell. All right, thank you very much.